Thank you, Brother Shane and uh, praise team and instrumentalists. Good morning to all of you. It's good to see you here. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, uh, if you weren't with us last week, we began looking at this letter. It's where we'll be throughout the summer. We're not trying to work all the way through the book of 1 Corinthians this summer. We'll just be, because I know you'll be in and out. Uh, I'll be in and out. This won't be a, a series in the sense of going through week to week, one chapter after the next. But all of the sermons I preach this summer will be from the book of 1 Corinthians. And so this week we are actually going to be looking at a text that talks about unity. But in 1 Corinthians 11 we find the text that I read uh, almost every time that we celebrate the Lord's Supper together and that most pastors read and today we're celebrating the Lord's Supper, and so that text will be our text for this morning. I want to begin by telling you a, a story. It's a, a true story. A friend of mine who pastors a church uh, here in Mississippi, he uh, pastored the same church for a little over 10 years. It's very similar to Mount Zion, a little bit larger. It's in a town, but it's in a rural town, so very much a, a small typical Southern Baptist church like most of us are familiar with or grew up in. And uh, he was very excited a few years ago at this very typical, mainly white Southern Baptist church, uh, but it's in a town that had many minorities, that they had a man who was Hispanic that started coming to the church and joined the church. And of course, this pastor was very excited about that and thankful. And the congregation had responded well to this man coming and being part of the church, which also excited him a lot. Uh, but after he'd been there for a while, the, the Hispanic man came up to the pastor and said, Brother so-and-so, I don't feel like I'm really accepted as a member here. And the pastor said, well, brother, what are you talking about? Uh, best I can tell, always watching interactions, everyone appears to be very friendly towards you. And he said, absolutely. Everyone is very friendly towards me, but no one wants to be my friend. And there's a difference. He said, they speak to me, they are cordial towards me, but no one has ever invited myself or my family over for a meal. And I know that they do that. No one has ever tried to meet us at a restaurant. Nobody has asked us for any of these things that they do with the rest of the congregation. It's not that they aren't allowing me to come, but it's that I don't really feel a part of the congregation. You see, what it was was not that they were being unfriendly, but it's that they weren't truly welcoming him as part of the congregation. And what we're going to see today in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is very much the same thing. We're going to see the church at Corinth. Last week we talked about uh, this church and kind of the setting. And so this is a, a church that's in a very secular city. A church that's in a very sinful city. And, and Paul was telling them, listen, even though you live in the middle of that sort of sin, you shouldn't live like you are sinful people. You should be separate. It should be noticeably different that you are God's people and that you live for God. Well, something else to know about Roman society is not only was it a very sinful and secular society, but it's also a very segregated society. And I know whenever we hear the word segregated in our context, we almost always think about race, color, nationality. But it wasn't, it wasn't based on that. They had a class system. And so I'm not going to go into a Roman history. But they had, basically you had the haves 
and the have-nots, right? There were classes of individuals based on socioeconomic status. So how much wealth you had, how much land you had, how prestigious your family name was. And it was very, very clear who was up here and who was down here, even by the way they dressed. It was very apparent which class someone belonged to. So that was happening in Roman society, but what we'll see in this text today is that they were bringing that that mindset of the world, that mindset of Roman people into the Corinthian church. And they were leaving people out, and they were being segregated even in the church. And Paul is going to make very clear in God's word that God and Paul and hopefully we are not okay with that. That that's not an okay thing. So they last week they were bringing their sin into the church, and he said, no, it should not happen. This week they're bringing the segregation of society into the church. And again, the call is no, that should not happen. So look with me at the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll begin reading this morning in verse 17. But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Let's pray together. Father, your word is such a precious thing to us. As Brother Shane sang about the red letters, but Father, all of the letters of the scripture, we know they're yours. And Father, it's a joy for us to be able to read it and to understand it. Father, I pray that we today, under the weight of your word, are willing to examine ourselves in comparison with its teaching to see if we are falling short in any of the things that you would have us to do. Father, if we are, help us to repent and to joyfully follow you to do the things that you would have us do today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so what's going on here? What, what is Paul unhappy about? I've given you kind of the big picture overview right there. Divisions among the church. They're bringing the class groups into the church. But more specifically, what he's saying here, and in the beginning of verse 18, I really get the instance, and we saw last week in chapter 1, that unity was an issue for this church, right? That they weren't very unified, that they that they came together, he says that three times here, that they came together, and when they came together, that they were all in the same place, but maybe they weren't of the same group. It's kind of like a whole bunch of people at a concert, right? You go to that concert, but you just all, you're there to hear the singer, and you happen to be there with the rest of the people. Well, the thing is, that's not how church should be. It's not that you and I are coming individually to worship God, and we just all happen to do it in the same room. Right, we're supposed to be coming together as a family. And in verse 18, it seems that they had issues with this outside of this one instance. He said, for in the first place, 
when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. But the, the one that he sticks with today is this specific instance of how they were showing segregation in the Lord's Supper. So they did the Lord's Supper differently than we do. Apparently what they would do is they would get together and have a potluck meal. And when they had the potluck meal, either during the meal or after the meal, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Now some of y'all could get on board with that, right? If every time we did the Lord's Supper we had potluck, might even have a little bit larger crowds on Lord's Supper Day. But what was happening is when they came together for this potluck meal... And when they were going to observe the Lord's Supper, it became very apparent that they were bringing the class groups from outside of the church, inside of the church. What he says here is that, that basically those that have, the haves, the higher up, the, the wealthy people, were bringing really fancy meals, really good food, the best fine dining that there was. And those that didn't have that sort of money were bringing whatever scraps they could put together, but instead of potluck like we do it, where you bring a dish and you put it on the table and everybody eats the same, the, the rich people were eating their fancy food over here, and the poor people were eating their scraps over here, and they were showing this segregation and divisions even inside of the church. In verse 21, when he says, For in eating... Each one goes ahead with his own meal. And I don't know that they were specifically getting drunk, but what he's showing here is kind of what was taking place. The ones that were hungry were continuing to be hungry, and the ones that had plenty to drink were drinking all that they wanted. Right? He's saying those that, that have their fill are leaving the church full, and those that came without much are leaving the church hungry. And he's saying this is not okay. He says twice in here, I do not commend you, or I have no praise for you in this. You are not doing what you should. This is not how it should be among church. So point one this morning, the Corinthians' lack of unity was showing. When they got together for the Lord's Supper, this lack of unity, this, divis this divisiveness, these divisions among them was clear. It was apparent. And I, again... From the way that he's worded verse 18, the way that we see him wording their need for unity twice in chapter 1, I think it's clear that this isn't the only place that they're dealing with this, but it's very apparent when they get together for the Lord's Supper. So, so if you think about this in our context, in our day and time, I think this would seem appalling to us, wouldn't it? Imagine if every Sunday... Or every Wednesday night, whenever we had church, if we had a potluck meal, every Wednesday night, every one of us that came would bring food. But imagine if those that were able were coming and bringing ribeyes and fillets and seafood. I know, I don't need to talk about food so much close to lunch. But those that could bring those sort of things brought that kind of food. And then some of us came with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and Little Caesars. No knock on Little Caesars pizza. But those of us that couldn't afford fillets and seafood and things were bringing this. And then whenever we got over to the gym, the ones that brought the steaks and those things sat over here and ate. And those of us that had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches sat over here and ate. And nobody shared anything with anybody else. That seemed appalling to us. If you walked into another church and that's how they were eating, 
you would say, I cannot believe how those people are treating those people. We would, and rightfully so. What Paul says here, he says, how do you not see that this is not okay? Verse 22, what, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you or shall I praise you in this? No, I will not. It's clear that this is not okay. And I don't think any of us would disagree with that. So let me ask you this question as we take this issue that they're dealing with and we contextualize it into our terms today because we don't live, right, we're in a democratic republic society. This is not a class system society, an empirical society. So we don't have quite the same issue that they deal with. But where, if we look around, and I've spent time this week praying about this and thinking about this, where is it that in Mount Zion, in this church body, or in other churches that you may be a part of or have been a part of, where do we find segregation? In this church. Where, and so, a couple of them that stood out to me, and again, I don't want any of you to feel like I'm picking on anyone today. I just want us to be clear to see where we may be falling short on what the Scripture is calling us to do. So, so some places, for some of us that have been here for a while, some of y'all were surprised this morning during praise team practice when I told them, I've been here three and a half years now. Uh, for those of us that have been here for years now, we have friends. And some of you have family here. So is it okay if our segregation is that in Sunday school or in the sanctuary, or before or after service, that we only talk to our friends, or that we only sit by our family and people that we know and we're divided that way? What if, it's not about that, but what if we invite church members over for meals sometimes? Some, some of us try to do that regularly. But what if we only invite people that dress like us and have jobs like us? Would that make it okay if the divisions are based on that? What if we only spend time with people that go to church here but that are part of our age group? I never try and spend any time or have any connection with anyone older than me or anyone younger than me. I think that sometimes these can be based off of where we went to school. Sometimes these can be based off of where our kids go to school. Sometimes it can be based off of how mature we are as Christians, those that are more spiritually mature only wanting to spend time with others that are more spiritually mature. Sometimes it can be based on our background. We know that this person used to have this sort of addiction or habit that they shouldn't have, and even though they've overcome that, we don't really want to be with them or spend time with them now. It's not much of an issue here at this present time. I pray that one day, even among our body, it would be um, we can find a lot of segregation over skin color and nationality. And we don't have a lot of different skin color and nationality here, but I pray that one day we would among our, our body. But all of those are just hypotheticals. They may be hypothetical. They may be 
ones that the Lord is speaking to you about this morning. But if it's not okay for the Corinthians to be divided by the class system of their day, is it okay for us to be divided by age? Or is it okay for us to be divided by the friends that we have and those that may not have friends here just being left out and not having anybody to sit next to in Sunday school or anybody to talk to after worship service? And the answer is still the same. It's no. Isn't it? I mean, isn't it clear that the answer is no? It's not. We are. Here's the issue. Why is it that it was not okay for the Corinthians to be divided in this way? Because they are not people separated by wealth, not people separated by what they wear, but they are one unified body. Right? They are a family. Literally, all of them made to be part of the same family because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They have been called and we have been called to love one another, to love each other like we love ourselves, or to love others and to do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. We have been called to love each other the way that Christ loved His disciples And brothers and sisters, this sort of division and disunity and segregation is not the sort of love that Christ showed. And so it's clear it was not okay for them and it's not okay for us. What we should be more than a bunch of random people that share the same sanctuary while worshiping is we should be a family that loves and cares for one another, that's invested in one another. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul makes this clear there in verses 12 through 14. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And then verses 26 and 27, he says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So what does Paul say? He says, listen, there are a whole bunch of you, and you come from different backgrounds, and you come from different families, and he specifically mentions some things there that helped them to cut through this, this class system that they had, because there were slaves and there were free people. That was part of the division among the classes. There were Jews and there were Greeks. And he says, we don't have those divisions in the church. We're all one body because of Christ. And so we come here, and it's not that there are old people and there are young people, and one's better or more valuable than the other. It's not that there are rich people and that there are poor people. It's not that there are people that have been members here for a long time and those people that are new members. No, there are those of us that are members of this body through faith in Christ and through uniting in this body, and we're all one. We have the same spirit. We have the same Lord. We have the same purpose. All of these things are the same because of Christ. Point two, the church is a unified body and it should show. It should be apparent that we love each other and that we care for one another. And of all the times that this would ever become clear, how terrible that the divisions... And disunity came clear at the Lord's Supper. 
wine. Look with me in verse 23. He's told them how they shouldn't observe the Lord's Supper. Now he tells them how they should. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what, what are we doing whenever we take of the Lord's Supper? What we're going to do in just a few minutes? What are we doing when we do that? We are, one, remembering Christ, right? Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of of me, and we are also proclaiming that we have taken part in the Lord's death. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're remembering who Christ is. We're remembering that he is God that left heaven and came to earth, God that lived a perfect life and still died in our place. Arose on the third day and is alive today. We're remembering those things, we're remembering those facts. But we're also saying, I have taken part in that death. In his death, Christ overcame sin, and I have overcome sin through Christ's death. I have united myself with Christ, and I am one with him. We are saying those things every time we take the Lord's Supper. And you know how the Lord's Supper is to be observed? It's to be observed as a church body. Not as individuals, this is one of the ordinances given to the church. We don't celebrate baptism individually, we celebrate it corporately. And we don't celebrate the Lord's Supper individually, we celebrate it corporately. So we're not just saying, I have taken part in the Lord's death, we're saying, we have taken part in the Lord's death. We're saying that I remember what Christ has done, but we're also saying, we remember what Christ has done. So how terrible that when they got together to proclaim that we have all done this together, that they were doing it separately. Point three, the Lord's Supper reminds us whose we are and how that happened. Reminds us that we belong to the Lord and we belong to Him because of His death. So let me ask you this question. Do you think of yourself as being part of this family? If you're a member of Mount Zion, if you're a guest, I understand that you don't. But if you're a member of this body, do you think of yourself as being part of this family? Or do you just see yourself as coming here on Sunday morning so that you can individually worship God and you happen to be doing it in the same room as a bunch of other people? Because if you've been here when we've been going through Acts, we've seen that's not what church is. That church is a group of people that have covenanted together, that love one another, that help meet each other's needs, that care for each other, right? That go into each other's home and that go into each other's lives and that share these things together. We're not just a bunch of random people in the same place at the same time. We are a family. Different backgrounds, different preferences, but made one because of Jesus. So, right now, in the next few weeks, we have church members that are in the process of trying to adopt a child. Is that important to you? We have church members that are about to have major surgery. Is that important to you? 
We have church members that have just graduated from high school and from college. Is that exciting to you? Is that a big deal to you? Is that something that you celebrate? We have church members that have won state championships here recently. We have church members that have brothers and children that are getting married this week. Is that something that you celebrate? Is that something that you rejoice in, or is that to you just something that happened to somebody else that happens to be here on Sunday morning? Brothers and sisters, we need to be invested in one another's lives, not separated. We do these things together, not separate. So I pray that we'll be the body of Christ, that we'll be the family of God, that we are all made one by the one that died for us all. And I asked them if they'd put that on the screen because I kind of want us to end with that. How is it that we can be one family? Different last names, different hometowns. How can we be made? We are all made one by the one that died for us all because of Christ. So this morning, we're going to, before we observe the Lord's Supper, we're going to have a time of invitation because there may be that you need to, some of us here need to repent of some things this morning. There may be some here that have never seen the usefulness of the church, but the church is the bride of Christ. And maybe this morning in seeing that and being reminded of why we celebrate the Lord's Supper, maybe the Lord has for the first time ever called you to himself and you have seen this morning how desperately you need him and how desperately you need his church. I pray that if that's you this morning, if the Lord's calling you to respond to him in faith, that you would come Let me know. Let us make that public. Let us pray for you. Let us celebrate that together. If you need to repent because you've been doing this on purpose or because you've been doing this without knowing it, use this time to do that. If you just want to sing, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to sing this morning as we're reminded before we celebrate the Lord's Supper that we do this in remembrance of Him. We're going to sing this morning, Turn Your Eyes upon Jesus, and I pray that that's what we do as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation.